Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, and it is CISO Thursdays. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I'm here with the greatest talent of all. <laughs> wow, that's because Naomi isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest talent I could get for today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll deal with you today. You're you're the greatest today, but shouldn't Naomi <laughs> join in ten minutes? You know we're gonna have to downgrade you to the second spot. You know it's kind of like the best kid on the team, right? Like you know when you go to play in the play yard, uh, you remember because we used to play in the play yard. We're not like today's kids, right? That are you know you'd go and if the best kid didn't show up and you got picked first, you were like yes, yes, yes. That's how I feel today. <laughs> I feel like you're the best kid every time. She says good morning. That's good Nate. morning. Make the machine. And what a machine <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is going to be fun today. Nate the machine. And then Candace, I don't know if she's here right now. Uh, oh, no. But she pointed out to someone. So Candace Carter, thank you so much for sharing with your friends says they are great and they happen every week. Yes, these are great. <laughs> and we have this going on every Thursday. Nate is laughing at us. It's going to be a fun time because when James and I get together. It's kind of like, so last week, we got a recap last week. So last week, you couldn't be with us, right? Because, you know, and then we missed you dearly. This show that misses your energy when you're not here, just so you know. So for the first 30 minutes, good old Kristoff was with me and Naomi. Then someone left us unsupervised for 30 minutes. And I just want to say those last 30 minutes are pure debauchery. <laughs> we just, <laughs> like we, we were like two wide receivers, right? Running down the field with no quarterback to throw us the ball. Just like, like it was insane. That's always a fun time. Mr. P says, thanks for being here and making this happen. Yes, I missed everybody last week. I was in a world of pain. <laughs> and then was loopy afterwards with the tooth stuff. So um, Nate says, like the desert missed the rain. That is so, so true. Oh, I feel so like. We missed you last I week. I feel loved. Saying like, oh, if Renee was here, James and Naomi would have not gone down that rabbit hole on your LinkedIn account, trying not to get shadow banned by LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm like, why am I doing? <laughs> why am I doing other LinkedIn lives and I'm getting shadow banned? One minute it's a bunch of people, and next minute it's not. Is it because of you too? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. James McQuiggan is around. Good afternoon. Uh oh, James left unsupervised. Yeah, I gotta go watch that. I'm kind of behind. So now I gotta see why if LinkedIn cuts me off <laughs> of their feed. <laughs> it's I'm pointing the fingers straight to YouTube. <laughs> You're like texting LinkedIn support. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> right. You can look, you can see. Oh my goodness. So I know last week was part two to the vocabulary 
Um, I got to watch it, jump in and see what the botch you two were up to or you three initially. Because, yes, uh, Chris Folon does keep it to keep us all together. He's right, the- Chris Folon, we get off the rails. Chris brings us right back in. Right. <laughs> Chris He's a professor. Like- He's like, bring it together. Bring it back. You know, but- you, ever, you know, you've got kids. Think of a bunch of four year olds playing soccer with no referee or coaches. Oh, Lord. I don't right. even know. Like, they just run all over the place. The ball ends up on the other <laughs> field. They score a goal and the wrong field, and someone's celebrating it. Like, that's what it was for the last half hour. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Mr. P said it was a great conversation. Mr. P, I'm going to make sure I watch um, to hear what these two were going off on last week. Zoe is here. Hey, Zoe. Everybody, tell us where you're we're chiming in from. I mean, this is going to be pretty open today. We are going to do um, Ask Me Anything, so AMA, and just have an awesome conversation, share what's happening. You guys chime in, let us know what topics, if you you know so choose to want to talk about, we are happy to do so. Um, Nate says, you all need Fred Rogers, your streams. Just talk about your neighborhood, take off your cardigan, put the slippers on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers, we should we should come with hoodies you know, and then I, take I'll, 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 I'll order a vest today, right? And next week I'll wear a vest with one of those good old hats and just take it off to my wonders of my black t-shirt. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, people are here. Woo, where is everybody from? Seneca, South Carolina this week. That's where James is this week. Uh, Mark Schleisner says we need Chris. I agree. Craig <laughs> is here from Michigan. Hey, Craig. Nice to see you again. Larry from Dublin, Ohio. Larry Rosen. Hi, Larry Rosen. Uh, Master P is driving across Oklahoma. Wow. Wow, there's internet? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Who was I talking to? I was talking to a person the other day, and his name is Vegas. And I was like, like Las Vegas? We say, yeah, Vegas. So anyway, funny, cool, cool, funny story. But he was just talking about this small town that his family was from. And I was like, they have people there? (laughs) 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 Humans that come out of there? Oh, my God. I love small towns. Stephen Upshaw is joining us from San Diego. Good morning, Stephen. It's early. How's Ron Burgundy doing in San Diego, Stephen? Oh, my God. San Diego is like my favorite place. Um, Let's see. Who's this? Oh, Nate. Nate's saying awesome. Up, who's on the Upper East Side? Mark, Mark. Schleicher? Upper East Side? Where? I used to live on the Upper East Side in New York. Great. Let's do a bunch of OSINT here today. Uh, <laughs> right. Throw it all out there. <laughs> so we know that you know um, uh, McQuiggan is not home. He's in South Carolina. So you know, if anyone's in Florida and wants a house to break into, just let us okay. know. <laughs> Larry said it's a beautiful day in the cybersecurity security neighborhood. That's right. Nate's in Portland, and John Dela Cruz is here. Hello from Hampton Roads, Virginia. John, why aren't you popping up? And why is everything saying LinkedIn user? You guys gotta 
change that around. For privacy settings. These are all security people that are very private, Renee. Very I know. As I call out their names one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and who said chivalry's dead? <laughs> Sarah Race. Hey, guys, from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> you know, next week you should ask everyone for their pet's name. And well, he just said, what's, what's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> if anyone wants to join in on this fine, we'll send you a link. <laughs> you can be a part of the stream today because I know it's going to be shenanigans for the whole hour. <laughs> Anything fun happen in your world this week, James? Mm. You know, fun in my world, it's always fun in my world, right? Like there, there's always fun stuff that's going on. I think what's, so, you know, in Georgia today, all kids went back to school. Today was back to school day for all kids in Georgia. So bless Georgia. all of our kids are back to school and all the schools are in person. Wow. As of right now. That's fantastic. Right? So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Smoothly, prayers, yeah. <laughs> everything. So here's something very interesting that I noticed this morning, and it kind of goes to the whole idea of cybersecurity, right? How many of you really know every single friend you have on social media? Who? Who, who does? <laughs> That's crazy. No right. one. But, but here you are posting a picture of your kid walking into a school, and you're posting the location of the school your kid walks into. Yeah. And you have holding a sign that says Jonah's first day in kindergarten. And you're like, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much, people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Really appreciate it. I know now that your kid's name is Jonah, what school he goes to, how much more information, like as a social engineering person, like, do you know the kind of stuff I can do with this? I don't think people understand it. And I, I was this it's so interesting that you bring that up because I was talking to a friend, um, non-security person, and was sharing that people share so much. And so much much of that information can be used in so many different ways. And they tell everything, like everything. And it's it's so, you know, I don't think that they remotely understand what sharing all of that means to the wrong person and how, you know, their whole life is just out there. Anybody could run up on them or their kids or whatever. And it's, it's kind of mind boggling, but I think back to 2011 when I first started getting or 2012 ish, when the security folks that when I first started in to get into security and understand what security meant and they would tell me these things. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was, just, it was shocking because I never was that person to post every single thing out there. But I just wasn't as aware. Like, hey, I can take this information and do this, 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 and this. Like, whoa. But it's not just about that, right? It's there, There's so much more to it than just the, the idea of your giving information. Because for the average person right now that's listening to us talk, Renee... They're going like, so what? You know that her kid's name is Georgia or his kid's name is Georgia or Jonah, right? And he goes to school at X school in the state of Georgia, wherever, right? And that's all, you know, 
well, well, what can you do with that information? Well, it's not about what I can do with it today. It's how that information serves me later down the road, right? Um, especially, you know, with, with one of the biggest scams that we often don't talk about, right? And, and um, I was uh, after the other side of cyber this morning on Clubhouse, JJ and I were talking and we're kind of, you know, reorganizing the show and I'm not giving the show a pitch on here or anything, but th- this Thank kind you. of going on in my world is what we were talking about today. And one of the biggest things that no one ever talks about is cyber stalking. Now, Naomi's been kind to point it out a few times, right? Where I like to call it like macho, sexist behavior online. Right. How many times do you have cyber stalkers who just stalk everything a person does and then somehow end up in the same location as that person's there? Right. And I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me over the years and go, like, James, why do you think this keeps happening? I'm like, well, you're posting, you're eating at this restaurant with a selfie of you with a glass of wine. <laughs> Who knows? Like, you start to build a specific set of routine. I know you go out every Thursday night, and I know that when you go out, you go to this one street in the city, and you bar hop. So my chances of finding you is really easy. I just go down to that one street and post it. Right. And I'm not saying don't post stuff on social media. I'm not saying don't be active, but maybe create social media platforms today allow you to create groups. So if you're going to share a story, share it to a specific group, share it to your closest friends, the only people you know who they are and right. not to the whole wide world, right? Not to your 5,000 followers. And, and I think that's really important. Yeah. A plug for respect and security, yeah. Respectandsecurity.org. Larry, tell us more about that. Um, James, you're absolutely right. I mean, the checking, even check-ins, all that checking in, all that stuff, I was just like, wow. You know, I was guilty of that early on. When I yeah. first started really traveling a lot about 10 years ago, I yeah. used to do Foursquare like I was addicted because of the badges. It was so dumb. It was the badges, right? <laughs> And I wanted the World Traveler badge. And to get the World Traveler badge, you had to be to 10 countries. Well, I made it to 10 countries. I wanted the World Traveler badge. And then they were like, oh, you can become like a world expert traveler. I was like, oh, man, awesome. Stupid badges. Stupid badges. That's it's all psychological. They know how to game us, man. Totally. Yeah, but, I, but, but, you know, 10 years ago, I was no different than some of the people that are watching us today. Right, right. right? That's the thing. That's what, is I wasn't always this way. That, and that's that's my point, too. You know, to the people out there, like, don't feel embarrassed if this is how you are, who you are, because I, I was I was not as aware today. And what, looking at people's social media accounts today, especially like in some of the groups, I'm in some mom's groups and I'm just, I just shake my head like, whoa, you know, talk about check-in, talk about the stuff that James just said. Oh, Jonah just went to school. He's five, you know, he's in kindergarten. He's five years old, blah, 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 all of that. And more and more and more, you know, and it's like so easy to piece a lot of this stuff together. So um yeah, I, I, I'm with you, James. Ten years ago, I was not as, you know, paranoid. But also, it was the very beginning of social media. We didn't quite That's understand true. the power of it. But right. today, we do. Today, we absolutely do. You know, it's, it's very interesting because 
so many times, um, you know, I, I give these talks and I'm mentoring this group of kids. You know, I mentor a group of kids every single year with the Israeli American Council, which is an awesome organization, right? No a plug for them. It's a nonprofit and it's, it's great. It's teaching young kids from, uh, I work with kids from eighth grade to high school to seniors in high school on different entrepreneurship projects. Right. And I have a rule that when I'm, when I'm with them, when we're together, those two hours we're together, there's no phones unless we're researching something. And even then I set up one of my laptops, I've got extra laptops everywhere. And that's what they use to do their, you know, Google searches or, to do some research in order to get data. And then everything else goes on a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. And then they organize everything into one PowerPoint on a computer to each get computer time. And, but I'm trying to teach them measure 10 times and cut once rather than cut one, you know, measure once and cut 10 times And these kids. And you see this so very often, once you get them off the phones, once you get them in the environment where they're off tech and social media, their interactions automatically change. Yeah. And, and that, that's something that we, we've got to talk about more and more because it's back to school. And in some places in our country, kids aren't going back to school like Georgia. They're still online. And that has really adverse health and mental health reaction and developmental social reactions to your kids. So knowing all of that, you've got to limit social media. you got to get your kids out of the house. you got to take them out to open air areas and have them play with other kids. You've got to. You've got to, this stuff is like really kind of cracking down. It's dangerous. I agree 100%. 100%. I I said earlier, um, uh, somebody made a comment here. I want to go through some of the comments. Alejandro Alejandro says, dopamine loops, social media is shortening our attention spans and slowly recovering. It is so, so true. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the dopamine loops. Like, oh, the the badges. Oh, you know, more of this, more of that. Like, like, I gotta press the button. <laughs> the likes, the loves, all, all that stuff. It is so very true. Um, okay, a couple comments up here. Zoe says uh, you should have them watch the Great Hack on Netflix. Shows what companies can do with their data. Great point, Zoe. Um. Nate said, I accept that everything is breathable just like my car. <laughs> so, um, Nate also says, that's why I communicate in gnome language. <laughs> Nothing is what it is. Everything is in an Irish rule. <laughs> <laughs> I need that language. My my girlfriend and I, we have a language that we kind of make up to. It's so funny. You hear us talk, you're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Um, and Nate also says he doesn't have an embarrassed bone in his, in my body. I'm like a honey badger. And Nate also says that we see the sax Baron Cohen do a skit where he played an Israeli ma- uh, Mossad agent who was making a tutorial for kindergarten kids on how to use toy guns. I didn't see that. I haven't Nate. either. That's pretty funny. Nate. Let us know if you want us to send you the link. You can come on <laughs> and participate with us today. No, but think of it like this. So if you're in security today and it's back to school and you're not releasing a PDF about how to stay safe online, how to handle hybrid school environments as we're possibly facing another 
set of lockdowns or whatever that is. Um, yeah. Someone earlier today was telling me, I was speaking to someone in Israel and Israel's looking at a, uh, a lockdown as well. And they said, you know, we've started to look at COVID. It's kind of like iPhone. The, you know, there's the original and then there's different versions that keep coming out every year. <laughs> um, and they just keep renaming them. Now it's Delta. We're like, you know, next going to be Gamma and then right, right. <laughs> different versions of, of, of COVID. Um, but start sharing um, and create a tutorial, create a PDF and share it across your organization. It's also a great way to win awareness, by the way. Right. Yeah. Get people to pay attention a little bit more like, oh, yeah, our kids are going to be studying online, you know, three days a week. Um, let's take a look at, you know, here's some ways to keep them safe. Here's some stuff that questions parents should ask, et cetera. That's such a valid point. I actually you bringing this up makes me I'm going to do that for some of the orgs that I'm a part of and the PTAs and all that kind of stuff, because it is absolutely needed. Um. It's absolutely needed out there. Um, and the general population, non-cyber people, don't even think about that. Um, it's just not even a thought in their mind, especially right now. You know, I just had a conversation or I just was, you know, I'm in some threads and someone was talking about Roblox and what shows up there and you know how their kids are exposed to these things and they weren't aware of it and they were asking questions. And so it's just definitely um, needed information for parents so they can be aware. People just, you know, the general public can be aware of what is actually happening out here. Um, so <laughs> Nate says, soon there'll be a restaurant list of all the COVID variants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a really good project. And for folks, you know what, James, when you made that point, for people who are breaking into security, this is like one of the projects that you can do, self-directed projects. You know how I always talk about when leaders see resumes and we always talk about this, you know, what, where can you volunteer? Where can you kind of show the skills that you have or what you know or what you've learned? Something like this, putting together, like uh, James talked about, the PDF or some information for the general public, your neighbors, senior citizens, you know, parent groups, things like that, the general population and sharing that and teaching, giving, you know, little tutorials, all that kind of stuff is, um, you know, self-directed, self self-security awareness projects that people who are trying to break into security can add on to their resume as a, an additional thing that they're doing to help the community and, um, you know, as we all know, the more you explain, the more you understand um, um, the topic that you're focused on. So I can't, I cannot believe you guys are in school down there. Yeah. So school year here ends early and starts early. They yeah. end in May-ish, like early, mid-May, and then they go back to school like first week of August, typically. Yeah. Yeah, up here it's the it's the third week. So I've been hearing the lockdown buzzes buzzing little bits and pieces. I know in DC there was like mask mandates and 
it's been I've been hearing the the buzzing of it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, again, all of that has a direct, and and that's one of the things I've been, I was trying to explain to some people this morning, right? Which is, it's great that your kids are back to school. It's wonderful. I'm really happy for you, and it's great that you want to share it. But either create a group and share it with specific people right? Like do a signal group or a telegram group, or even in Facebook, create your own private group with friends, invite only the friends that you want to have, see the content and just put that content there. Right. Don't share it out on a public profile. Number one, number two, and this kind of goes into the, the, the bigger aspect and one of the bigger challenges and um, you can, the, the biometrics, right? The facial recognition that social media does on your face your iPhone does the same, right? So take a bunch of pictures in your iPhone. If you go into your albums and you scroll down, you'll see something that says faces. And then it will show you like a picture. If I have pictures of me and Renee on my phone, it'll show me all the, I can just click on Renee's picture. and It'll show me all the pictures I have with Renee in them. Now that's scary, right? Because you're putting, you're, you're essentially putting the picture of your kids on social media before they even have a profile. Yeah. So we're really digitalizing our kids right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Mr. P said, I Googled my name to see and found addresses that I only used in the Marines enlistment 20 years ago and voter registration from 10 years ago. How can I remove it from public internet sites? If you go to the sites where that is, and if you go to their FAQ, you say, how do I remove it? And they give you like an email address or a form to fill out and submit it. Uh, They don't make it easy. Um, But um, you, the, you just have to submit it, um, and typically you can get it done. I know there's a the, the federal privacy law would require them to to get make it much much easier to do that. But Mr. P just depends on what state you're a resident of. So, if, for example, if you're in California under CCPA, you have the right to be forgotten. You can actually ask for all the data and then ask them to delete it. I know that Virginia and other states are all passing privacy laws. Colorado just passed theirs, so. You'll, you might be able to do that. It just depends on what state you're a resident in. Hopefully, um, come September when, you know, the uh, uh, 535 overpaid people who run the Senate and Congress come back to work Your from friends. summer vacation, they'll pass the federal privacy bill that's been sitting there and waiting for them to take it on the floor for vote. James is friends and buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bills just sit around waiting, waiting. When does someone want to take it up for vote? I don't know. What <laughs> else? Do to that. Oh, there's a lobbyist lunch. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. Lobster? Totally. <laughs> Please, you can make me joke. <laughs> This is your life, James. <laughs> yeah, but I wish they would just pass the federal privacy law um, that would override states. There, there's two reasons why that's really important. And, and I think for a lot of people that are trying to break into security, don't forget that privacy is an integral part of security. And I was in a room in Clubhouse the other day, and it was uh, the ladies uh, of cybersecurity. Um, and... It, it's a really cool group on Clubhouse, and um, JJ pinged me into the room, 
Uh, John De La Cruz was in the room. Uh, Paul was in the room. I think James McQuiggan might have been in the room. Oh, all the people. Um, but they were talking about how women could break into cyber. And they kept talking about IT roles. And I was like, no. Are you a lawyer? Wonderful. Go get your master's in cyber. Go take a cyber course. We need you. We need you to understand cyber. Uh, you're a nurse practitioner. You're sick of looking at blood. You don't want to work in that environment. Wonderful. We need you in cyber right? Go study cyber, come in with your nurse practitioner knowledge with how a a nurse operates and how she uses the machines that helps us do better security. Um, You know, there's so many different skills that like someone who's, why is, I'll give you an example. Why is Dragos so good at critical infrastructure? Why? All they hire are people that come from critical infrastructure and DOD and department of energy. Does all those people know. They're practitioners before they join the company. So when they're building security solutions, they're not looking at um, they're not looking at the we think. There's no we think. There's that's how it's done. This is how we fix it. Let's right. create it. Let's take it to market. And right. that's so important because so many times, so many times, um, um, there's just that importance of, of just people coming in with that knowledge and moving. And that's, we miss that in security. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I tell people, I say this all the time. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. People always think, tend to think that they have to, you know, throw everything that they know away and then start from scratch. But your point is so valid. If you're in these industries um, you know, more because fe- because there are industries that more that are more female heavy. So to your point, nursing, teaching, other industries, and you have this skill set already. You want to leverage that skill set and bring it over. Um, and anything else that you've been doing, leveraging what you have and having it translate, adding on the masters, the degree, you know, the other education, so that you can couple the two. And that's when. Um, you know, your skill set is so invaluable because an attorney's background and then coupled with cyber, that's invaluable. A nursing background, you've seen, you know, you've been in the trenches, you couple that with cyber and like, you know, again, invaluable. So I agree 100%. Shreya says she's studying her master's this fall. Woo-hoo, congratulations, Shreya. That is awesome. awesome. What's your um, master's in? Yeah, Shreya, tell us what your master's is in. Uh, Mark says, resume question. If most of one's cybersecurity experience has been volunteer work or coursework, what is a good way of displaying it? So I usually like to add a section. I tell people put a section called um, either related coursework. That's what you can title it. um, Or projects, cybersecurity projects. Um, is another section that you can just create. And you can add all that stuff in there, your coursework. Well, you could call out the coursework. Um, for folks who are literally, you know, are brand newbies, so meaning you don't really have any experience anywhere else, um, the way I usually break down, tell them to create their resume is to put the coursework, you want to put the relevant cybersecurity stuff at the top, 
um, as close to the top as possible. So please don't use a lot of fluff. Like when people tend to put skills and all that kind of stuff that it's, we don't even read it. Yeah. Just put that at the bottom of the page, right? Put that like at the very end, maybe the second page or third page of your CV, put all your all the way at the bottom. If so at all. Right. <laughs> skills are going to match keywords within the, the job description. And that's how you're going to try to be the algorithm. Then that's a good way to do it. That's, that's kind of, but the thing about the skills section is, and I'll, I, well, let me get to the skill section a- afterwards. Let me focus on um, the question here, Mark's question. Um, so if it's volunteer and coursework, you can put that related coursework and cybersecurity projects. You could create a section. And then in that section, your coursework, you want to share what you did in the coursework. So if they, if the, if part of the coursework was, oh, I use the Wireshark to blah, 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 like write it out like it's a job. So your volunteer work, your coursework, whatever it is that you did, don't, don't just list the, the class and like the description of the class. Talk about actually what you did in the class. If you touched Splunk, if you did, you know, created, if you, Whatever you did, you want to write it almost like you're writing a um, an actual job, um, you know, tasks for a job. So I created, I used Wireshark 2, I used Splunk 2, blah, 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 blah. So that's how you want to write it out. And it reads like it's experience because it is experience. And as much as these people are asking for zillions of years of experience, every entry-level role that I've seen outside of security and some insecurity now too, I think people are getting much better at this, is just asking for knowledge and the curiosity and the understanding, you know, and not expecting you to know so, so much. So that's the way I would display it, excuse me, and I would display it, all your security stuff at the top of your resume. So like Mm -hmm. name, email, phone number, and then jump right into whatever you're doing security related. And then if you have, if you were, say you were a truck driver before and you just want to list out, hey, these are some things that I was doing. At the bottom, that's when you write, you know, a professional experience truck driver, <laughs> you know, or whatever other things that you want to write down there. But for security, when people want, people want to see like, okay, I have a security job. This person is doing security stuff. They don't want to see like, oh, I'm a truck driver. And by the way, I'm taking security courses and I have some skills or what they won't even get to the bottom. So make sure you put that stuff at the top. Yeah. Uh, so a couple comments here. So um, Pam says, hey, Pam. Pam, I owe you a phone call. Um, Shreya says master's in information systems and cybersecurity concentration. Excellent. Good for you. Good, good, good. Excited about that. Um, Pam here says, awesome suggestion. You're welcome, Pam. (laughs) Uh, What does Nate say? I grew up. Cybersecurity projects. <laughs> oh Lord, Layton. Hey, that CATA Cata, the Cybersecurity Aptitude Assessment available now through Haystack is the real deal. 
14 segments and takes two and a half hours to complete. So Leighton, my buddy Leighton Holcomb um, is working with all kinds of, he's done assessments um, over the years, all different types of assessments. And so now there's one that is, he said is spot on and he hires so many cybersecurity people over the course of the year. Um, of the years, because Leighton's been in this game longer than me. Um, and so there's this there's this assessment that newbies and transfer, um, Leighton, correct me if I'm wrong, people who are transferring into the field can take this assessment as well. Um, and it pretty much kind of points you or directs you to what part of cyber, I believe, is a good fit or if you, you know, where your skill set lies. So Leighton, um, correct me, because I know you were telling me about it the other day and giving me more detail. So that is that. So Leighton, good stuff. That's good advice about the resume. Thank you, Nate. Um, so this assessment, is it called CADA? is the only test that is truly an aptitude assessment predicting the capability of an individual to succeed in cybersecurity without requiring prior knowledge. That's pretty cool. And I think it was a veteran, correct me if I'm wrong, Leighton, that put that, you know, created this, pulled it together. And I always wondered when somebody was gonna take some of the stuff that's used in the military, because I know there's that, what's that military assessment exam that you have to take? The what? When you go to MAPS, um, why am I forgetting? Why am I forgetting? Why am I forgetting? Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The one where you go, when, when you're going into the military, you pretty much have to take these assessments and Aspects. you're like, oh, Aspects. yes. That you would be good for, you know, like this is where you're going to go. Like this is where you're at. It, it, it essentially measures um, um, whether or not you're going to be the kind of guy who we're going to give a gun to and say, go run to the fire or whether you're the kind of person who we're going to say, you know, you could be a pilot here. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's sure, you know, we, don't, we don't throw you into the, you know, dark deep in here. You know, just, just stick around right here, buddy. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We don't want our pilots out there, potential pilots, you know, over and over on the other side. So, yeah. So I was always, every time I saw, I, I think about that kind of assessment, I thought, you know, who is going to be the person to, or the group to take that or take some semblance of that and turn it and use it for security because you can, everything can be assessed. Everything. You think about the military, it's like every single job in the world is in there. So, um, so I'm excited for that to come out. Um, oh, and it's for newbies and accomplished professionals, which is fantastic. Um, and Leighton also says here, yes, it began with the Air Force Kata as part of the ASVAB. There it is. Was developed for the for the NSA, US Air Force, USN, and SOCOM to identify candidates for cyber training and leadership. Boom. There it is. Yep. So can't yeah. wait to see more of that. That should be pretty awesome. Shreya says, I've been working in IT help desk. I'm not working currently. What job or work should apply to which can be helpful pursuing the master's in cyber? So here's the thing. So, so Sharia is in a very fun predicament, right? And I say fun because we talk about it all the time. So you have people who get entry-level roles, but have the education for mid-level and mid-tier roles, but they never apply for them 
um, because they feel like they don't have enough experience, right? And so here's here's Shreya who worked IT help desk. She's not at the moment, and she's pursuing a master's, which makes her super uber, you know, ambitious and smart and wanting to explore other stuff. But she's probably only applying for entry level roles and not getting any luck. Apply for mid tiers role. Um, look for you know managers, senior managers, junior managers, a supervisor role. Um, Because even if you may not have the hands-on completely, you've got the college background um, where for a hiring manager, at least, it's, uh, you know, one of the things we, you know, I I talked with Alan on um, not not too long ago was this idea of, you know, we want to eliminate this entry-level jobs. We want to automate those away so we can hire smart people like Shreya and give her a role where she's part of a team and she sees her future in the company and she's not sitting doing, you know, level one analyst role or help desk roles um, and going like, I went to school, I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt minimum in college debt. Right. And this is the work I'm doing. Um, you know, we want to, we want to get creative juices um, going. Um, so, you know, apply don't be afraid to apply for roles if even if you don't have all the experience uh, because you've got the ambition and and don't let them knock you off of that nice and he says i went from doordash <clears throat> excuse me doordash straight to consultant is that true larry rosen says good people managers hire for passion and potential keep looking i yep. agree with you larry that is absolutely true. Mark says, great advice about displaying the resume volunteer work. You are welcome. Um, I definitely think that uh, volunteer work can easily be shown as um, experience. All experience is experience. It does not have to be paid. It does not have to be in a big organization. If you're doing it, and I, and I think it, and James, correct me if I'm wrong, it's sometimes even more impressive when someone is like took the initiative to go out and do something and they didn't have, you know, they didn't have to. You don't have to volunteer. You don't have to do this stuff, but you take the initiative. A leader is going to look at that and say, oh, wow, well, Shreya or Larry or Jerome took the initiative or Pam took the initiative to do this on their own. Wow, this is a person that that's going to translate when they come into my organization and I hire them, they're going to be the likely going to be the person to take initiative on projects, pick up things that nobody else is picking up. Like that's the mindset of the leaders that I've seen who built out high performing, awesome teams is that they're taking folks who they know are ambitious, who they know are, you know, take initiative in other areas. And they know that that that's some of the stuff. Remember when we, when you hear us say there's certain things you can't train, we can train you on security. Like when James says it and when the other CISO say it, when Naomi's on here and she says it, you hear this all the time. Like we can't train initiative. We can't say, Hey, get up and move. (laughs) You know, you can't can't train problem solving, right? Like there's, there's specific things that like you say you're unable to teach you've either got it or you've don't and i want to get to shreya's last comment there where she goes management position usually requires certs not necessarily true um shreya um in some of them they put a cert in um and sometimes if you pay close attention a lot of people will 
Um, here, here's the thing about people. We're selective readers. So if you don't enjoy reading, you scan. And when you scan, you're scanning for things you're looking for. Kind of like if you do a, a command F or control F on your computer and you want to search for something on a screen that you can't find. And I put in, you know, the word, you know, uh, Fox, then it'll show me all the Fox, but um, you wouldn't find it otherwise. So you're, if, you, if you're scanning, you, you'll mostly see CISSP or CISM or any of those. And it'll typically say, um, nice to have, but not required, like a, a benefit. Um, it gives you an advantage, but you don't really need to have it. We're starting to see that slowly shift. Um, don't be afraid to apply. Again, um, there, there's gonna, nothing's going to happen. You're, you're not going to be in any worse position by over-applying for a position that you don't belong to. Right. Like right. No, no HR manager is going to call you and be like, Tria, stop applying for these positions. You don't qualify. Stop it. Um, that's just not it. Right. Um, he's, he's totally right. I mean, um, Sharia, James. Is totally... Go ahead, James. Sorry. No, no, please, Renee. You're absolutely right. Like two things, Sharia, I've hired. I've probably been recruiting hundreds of people. I mean, just this year alone, like dozens, right? Management, mostly management, mostly the leads, mostly the managers, mostly the people who are managing teams or the very seasoned, um, seasoned folks. Not one time except for government contracts where it's written into the contract that you have to have a cert, not even a specific cert. It's usually CISSP or Security Plus or CIS system or CEH or something, right? So they usually, usually will ask for a cert. So let's take the caveat of the government contract stuff and put it to the side. For all of the 100% of the roles that I've worked on in the last three years or so, for organizations that are not government contracting, there has never once been a situation where a manager, a leader said, I'm not hiring this person because they do not have this. Period. Period. Point blank. So please, please, please do not let a certification requirement or a nice to have or whatever on a job description discourage you from applying. Yep. It does not, leaders will say, I'll take the experience over the cert 99 out of 100 times if it's not mandated because it's a government contract situation. Now with government contracts, like I said, in those spaces, what I've seen, and I'm not a, you know, I've done government contracting, I focus mostly in the um, commercial space, but when I do deal with government contracts, it'll say most of the time, a cert. So go get the easiest, like, like if you have to get a checkbox cert, go get a checkbox cert, you know? So please do not let that discourage you. Please do not let anything that says certifications on there. Um, you know, those are nice to have. Usually it's a plus. Again, none of the managers that I've been in contact with over the last couple of years have said that this is a requirement. I'll go back a few years, maybe like 
four years ago when I was doing some work for public accounting firms like the PWCs and the, um, the EYs and those folks. Again, sometimes they have requirements and they say, you know, it, the person must have. And again, you, the, the, the experience that I had had with that, with those types of organizations is that the person must have a cert, not any specific cert. It's usually, you know, like one of these six certs or something like that. And it aligns a lot of the times because, again, they mandate to their clients that all the people that they're bringing in have certifications or whatever. Um, but other than like these little nuances in my world, and again, I'm one person, but I've worked with a number of different commercial companies, certifications are like not necessary. Yeah, um, indeed. Okay, a couple comments here. We got a bunch of them. Left. So let's see. What requirements? So Mark had a question up here that I want to get to. Um, about requirements. Oh, no, Jerome has some stuff. Let me go back. All right, Jerome had a question. Are you aware of any cybersecurity mentorship programs? Um, There's a bunch of them. You just got to look for them, Jerome. I, I can't think of any off the top of mind. I, I don't know your background, um, but typically if you reach out to any CISOs or any organizations like your local ISAC or ISC Squared or Cloud Security Alliance, you'll be able to find some sort of mentorship programs there. Yes. Um, who has? There, there, there's so many out there right now. I know. I think SANS has one. Um, but there are tons of them, Jerome. You just want to yeah. do what Jane said. Okay. Pam said, excellent suggestion on listing coursework detail, helpful in demonstrating any hands-on experience noted earlier. I agree. Um, let's see here. More points. Um, there was a question about Larry Rosen said, uh, well, who said this one? Best thing to do is to keep learning, keep trying, keep applying in spite of rejections. That's absolutely true. That's Nate. That's Nate. Um, perfect. And then this question came in, what requirements of a job posting must one address and which requirements can one ignore when applying for a management job? That's a really good question. Mark Schleisner. So game the system, Mark. I like it. So the ones that you focus on are the first two to three bullets of a job description. So, I mean, I'm sorry, a job posting. So when the job posting is out there and it says, you know, we want this laundry list, this, you know, the kitchen sink, the bathroom, the this, that, the very first like two to three lines is typically the core of the job. And the very first line usually is the one that's like spot on. So if you know that a job says, I want blah, 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 and it's like, you know, a laundry list, and you can do, you're really confident about those first two bullets, then apply. And make sure that your resume kind of aligns, speaks to those two bullets. So if those two bullets say, you know, we need a SOC manager who's managed teams of 10 or more in these environments, 
and you were a sock manager or maybe even a knock manager, but you got some security going on, you know, other things, and you manage teams of 10 or more, like that's what you want to have in your summary, in the first bullet of your resume, like you want to make them align so that when a manager sees that and a leader sees that or a recruiter sees it, you're like, oh, this job description says that they want X and this resume says that he has X. That's a good match. Yep. So that's what you want to focus on. You don't want to focus on so that ignore stuff, anything that's nice to have, anything that's like, you know, the laundry list, the, the stuff at the second page or the bottom of the page. The fluff. That's the fluff. the fluff. So here, if job descriptions were really what they're supposed to be, it'd be three bullets for what we're looking for, three yes. bullets for requirements, three bullets for skills, and that'll be it. Because you can sum up any job description in nine bullets. But you have a department which, you know, we should probably get rid of at some point called HR. <laughs> and, you know, it's like liberal arts degrees. Let's you can't get rid of HR. <laughs> I want to get rid of HR with liberal arts. All right. Here we go. If, if you get rid of those two and you just allow hiring. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> now, if you make hiring managers, make hiring decisions and write things without fluff, it'd be very, very straight to the point. I'll tell you one very, very um, kind of cool thing. Um, as you're applying for different roles, let's say you get a callback. Let's get beyond overcoming the hurdle. I think you guys can go back and listen to episodes from November and December and January where all we did is talk about uh, this kind of stuff on resumes. I want to take you a step further. How do you evaluate that the company that you're getting into is the right company for you? So something very interesting. I hate one-hour job interviews. Hate them. I see no point in an hour job interview, none, because it's 45 minutes fluff and there's 15 minutes of real content in there, right? Like, I don't understand it. Give me 30 minutes. Give me really good 30 minutes. One, it shows me a bunch of different things. One, time management. Can you manage a 30-minute job interview? Can you answer my questions? Can you tell me everything you've done in under 30 minutes? Talk When you're practicing things, be who you are. The longer the job interview, I think the worse it is. I'll tell you, like my longest job interviews have been the people I've never hired. Because so many things come back to me thereafter. The shortest ones have been the ones that have been most successful. Look at that. Make that part of your kind of how you evaluate companies you want to work for. And remember one thing. If a company gives you like five one-hour job interviews in the hiring process, you're going to be in endless meetings for pretty much the entire time you're in that company because that's the culture. I just had someone turn down a scenario just like that where they wanted five one-hour long interviews and he was like, I'm good. <laughs> because it's like, why are we wasting everybody's time? It just doesn't make any sense. 30-minute interviews, get me in front of two, three right people, right? Do another 30 minute with a panel of people where everyone gets to ask a question that they've got top of mind and, and let's get this, let, let's get it over with, right? Hiring today is, is so much more efficient because we have so much data. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, Larry says network, network, ne network, direct referrals are still the best way to get your resume straight to the hiring manager. Indeed. I don't know. 
Indeed. I don't know how many times I've we have said this a zillion times. Naomi has like written books, book worth, book long worth posts where people have commented where we keep saying this. You want to be on the inside of someone's team. Um, I think I talked about I might have talked about this last night on um the podcast I did. And this is a plug for Federal Career Connections. So right. Federal Career Connections. Um, they help people get into federal roles, which I think a lot of their stuff is actually quite relaxed too, in terms of like levels of experience. Like usually you only need like one year, a degree and or one year of experience or whatever. James, we're at two o'clock. So I'm going to wrap up soon. Um, but with a ton of comments and questions though, ah, um, so we talked about referrals and we talked about um, the network and making sure that you're on the inside so that people know who you are, that you're the first person that they reach out to, you know, all of that. So you definitely want to um, continue to network. And again, shameless plug for Federal Career Connections, doing amazing work with getting people into cyber uh, and non-cyber roles in the federal government. So... Um, I'm going to go through a couple more comments here before we wrap because we are at the top of the hour. Michael LeBlanc says, I'll take a cold hungry person over someone that thinks they know everything, cert or not. See, here we go. So security people, listen to the folks that are doing the hiring. These are the people you want to listen to, not your friends, not your peers. Like the folks doing the hiring are saying, we don't care about certs. We want hungry. We want passion. We want people who are out here doing it especially at entry level especially 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 at entry level uh cassidy says isn't the problem then getting past the recruiting algorithms so if you're working the network then you know somebody says oh there's this great lady cassidy you know connect with her (laughs) well go back and listen i think we did when we started CISO thursdays we spent four or five episodes talking about how to beat these algorithms So if you just go back to some of the previous episodes, we've done so much content around this. We'll try to go back to it, by the way, and pull out those little skits and maybe make three, four-minute segments on them with all the tips and put those out. Um, And so um, Renee and I will circle back on that and let you guys know. But I think that's something we'll we'll actively do now is go and get all those episodes and put that content. Because guys keep asking those questions. We'll put it out here for you. It's the same questions. And Michael says it best, Cassidy, if you're going through an ATS, you're, you're doing it wrong. It's it's an uphill battle. A lot of these jobs, I was telling, I think I was saying yesterday, again, as part of this, um, this talk or something I was talking about yesterday, I know of um, the, the, a person who just gave their notice. And the manager reached out to me and said, such and such gave their notice. Do you know anybody? And I reached out to a friend And that friend reached out to a friend. And before this role is even remotely posted, the person just gave their notice. And the manager has like four resumes of people before the guy gave his notice. There's no job posted. So this is how you want to get in these networks. You want to be behind the scenes where it's just like, oh, so do you know of anybody? And James is like, oh, you know, any just somebody says, James, you know, some junior people. And he's like, oh, yeah, take these, you know, talk to. Bing, 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 you know, Jerome and and Shreya and such and such, like check these three people out because no manager wants to go through a hundred resumes. Like nobody wants to do that. (laughs) Nobody. 
Right. Okay, so Mike no says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, James. No one has time to go through all of that. Not, yeah, yeah, it's a waste of time. It's like, okay, these three folks are, they're good. James, I know James, he's my Pete. He, James, these people are good. He's like, yep, they're good. Nine times out of 10, managers going to pick one of those three people and you're done. On to the next. Like people, it, it doesn't, you know, people aren't going through zillions of resumes. So you definitely want to work the network. Michael says, ISC Square in New Jersey has a mentorship program. Um, IQ4 is doing one for underrepresented folks. So these are some good ones, folks. Um, uh, David tells Cassidy, use a skill section on your resume to add keywords or include them in a task completed under a certain role. Definitely the task part, um, the, the skill section, even with algorithms, it doesn't really work that great. It's right. not that good. Um, let's see. Uh, Cassidy says it hasn't been easy to network to the past, the past 18 months. Conferences were a huge part of that. Cassidy, social media. This Clubhouse. Get on Clubhouse. I'm telling you right now, every like people I've I've had people reach out to me and offer me jobs on Clubhouse. They'll hear me speak in a room and be like, hey, we're hiring a CISO. You interested? I'm like, no, thank you very much. Have a great day. Um, but, <laughs> but it happens all the time. There's been people who when Clubhouse first started, when, when I was still in, in, in CISO mode and I was hiring where I hired people directly off of Clubhouse, we connected off of Clubhouse. I reached out to that person. We spoke in Clubhouse and I said, hey, send me your CV. And, and we got them in through the door. If you can't network on LinkedIn, I know in-person conferences have been off and, and you know, we don't know when they're going to be back. I mean, Black Hat's happening this week, but everyone I speak to there says there's no people. Um, like every picture of the floor I've seen is like you see more machines than people. Um, so um, so use Clubhouse, use LinkedIn, um, Twitter. I just posted a short this week with Samara Williams. She's the uh, SOC operation managers over at Cardinal Health. And she was like, I've hired some of my best hires have come from Twitter. Yeah. I'm like, wow, shocked. Shocked. Yeah. Because I hate Twitter. I think it's worthless. But yeah, apparently yeah. she's hired people from there. So yeah. I can't complain with the results. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Clinton says, hey, James, Renee, good attitude, being human and people centric is the key to being a great, successful manager and leader. Management roles are sometimes overrated and people get hangers with the stereotypes of management equal power and control. Yes, I agree. OK, so people are giving um, Sarah advice and each other advice. Um, and if you need a clubhouse invitation, Alejandro, reach out to him. Yeah, um, you don't need those anymore, though. You oh, it's over? Anymore. It's over, yeah. Okay. Clubhouse, that once they released the Android app, the invites were no longer valid. Um, gotcha. And they were worried about, like, you know, once you go into Android, you open yourself up to having seven apps. Two from China, three from two from Russia, one from Iran, one from North Korea. You know, they all say Clubhouse, but you know, they're all just malware. So yeah, they've opened it up. Yeah. Larry said the same thing. Okay, excellent. Well, we are a little we're over the clock. Let's wrap. This was awesome. Thank you all so much. Thank you, James Azar, for being the wonderful Thank person. You, Renee you are. Small. Being Thank awesome. you, audience, for being so engaged. You guys ask amazing questions, and we will see you again next week, next Thursday for CISO Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern. Bye, everybody.